0: Welcome our campus in Appleton and Stevens Point this morning. God bless you guys. Good that you're uh, joining with us here at uh, Celebration Church. Hope it's been a meaningful service for you so far. This morning, I want to read to you from a writing of uh, Peter. This is a second Peter, the first chapter. Now, when you uh, look at the uh, New Testament, you look at the Gospels, and you see Jesus with these 12 guys that are with him, his apostles, you would think that the writings of the New Testament now would consist primarily of the experiences and the thoughts of those 12 guys. But that's really not the case. It's quite interesting. The guy who wrote most of the New Testament was Paul, who, as far as we know, never saw or experienced Jesus when he was on the earth. Uh, Which is actually, that's a very consistent concept in Christianity, which is faith is not based on what you can see. So it's interesting that even... Uh, The biggest writer of the New Testament ever saw Jesus at all. Uh, But a couple of them did. John, Peter uh, wrote uh, a couple of texts that are found in the New Testament. Peter wrote two uh, epistles. That's what we call a fancy word for letters. And uh, this is the second one that he wrote. And in this thing, he wrote and told uh, about, uh, he was talking about some basic Christian truths and stuff that they all knew. He knew that they knew them. And just kind of going over it with them. And then in verse 12, he says this. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon put it aside. He knew he was going to die soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will be, always be able to remember these things. And indeed, he did make that effort. And that's why we're reading it even 2,000 years later. But what Peter is basically saying is, look, I know there's things you know, but I'm going to tell you again anyway, because it's good to be refreshed and go over the basics, uh, not only for us, but for the newer ones that come in. Uh, what I want to do is I want to do a, a series over the next uh, few uh, weeks. It won't take terribly long, but I want to go back and revisit the uh, Apostles' Creed that we all just said together. And teach a little bit about that and expound upon it and what it means to us and, and why we say it. Now, uh, the creed uh, really lays out the basic tenets of the Christian faith. If you go to a lot of church websites, uh, most of them have a little button somewhere that says what we believe. You click that on, you will see a huge thesis of what they believe, why they believe it, all the verses of why they believe it. They're covering everything that you can possibly imagine and make these big, gigantic statements about all the minutiae of Christian doctrine that they possibly can squeeze into their statement of faith, is what they call it. Uh, You go to a celebration website, you click, what do we believe? What you're going to see is just the Apostles' Creed. It's a very simple statement. And in Celebration Church, it's always been an emphasis of ours, to say this, there's a difference between what we believe and what we think. What we believe, we really believe. This is non-negotiable to us. But then there's a lot of stuff that we have opinions on. A lot of people have varying opinions. People of good uh, intentions love God, but come to totally different conclusions on doctrines like whether or not to speak in tongues or how exactly to be baptized or ideas of predestination or eternal security, whatever, there's all a million different things. Then you get to the last days, how the world's going to end, all that. There's a million different versions, all from really good people who come up with totally different conclusions. That's all in the what we think category. Now, I will share with you, I'm usually pretty good at letting you know when I'm telling you something, this is what I think. And the reason I say that is because there's a lot of really great people out there who think something totally different. There's some of you who think, Things totally different. That's perfectly fine. One of the things we've always striven for is to have a church that's not made up of a bunch of people who all think the same. Like a bunch of robots. Uh, That's what so many churches try to do. That's why a lot of churches don't get very big. It's because they're trying to get as many people as they can to all agree and think exactly about the same. We don't do that. Uh, We do on the fundamentals, the basics. That's what's found in the Apostles' Creed. This is what we believe. We believe in the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son, the Holy Spirit. These basic things. These are non-negotiable to us. You put a gun to my head and say, do you believe Jesus Christ is the son of God? The answer is yes, pull away, okay? But if you put a gun to my head and say, well, when you baptize people, do you dunk them three times or just once? I said, whatever you like, okay? (laughs) Because I'm really not that connected to that. And you might have reasons for doing it three times versus one, I don't really care. There are things that, yeah, I'm not going to go to the mat for and we're not going to lay down our lives for some of the finer minutia of Christian doctrine. Uh, so that's the difference uh, in the way that we approach these things. There's a lot of people in our church that believe totally different things about some of those smaller issues. That's totally fine with us. There's plenty of room for that. I think the greatest credit is when you get a bunch of people who don't all think the same, but yet they love and respect each other. It's called family, Right? You know, y'all you have families, right? Our families are made of what? A bunch of crazy people that somehow we're related to. And you, you, you try to disown them best you can, but you can't. You know, it keeps showing up. And uh, they're family. They're nuts, but they're family. This is, this, so we have that kind of here. This is our family of faith. Everybody doesn't have to look, act, think the same, vote the same, you know, have all the same opinions about everything. Uh, but on the basis, the basics, we, we do. We stress these. Now, the Apostle Creed. Uh, goes way back. Some of the earliest recordings of, that you can find of the Christian faith include this creed. Now, interestingly enough, it's not found in the New Testament. If you go to the Bible, there's no place where you will see the Apostles' Creed, unlike the Lord's Prayer. I mean, that, you know, that's there, but this, that creed, it's, it's not there. It's made up of things that are in the New Testament, but has a very, very long history. Uh, what it is said is that they believe that People used to uh, memorize this creed and would state this creed before they would be baptized. That was the original uh, uh, source of this and the reason for it. Uh, because, and I've mentioned and pointed this out before, uh, according to the Bible, the only people who ever got baptized in the Bible were adults. There's no record ever of a baby being baptized or even of a child. Being baptized. They were adults. Jesus was 30 years old when he was baptized. They were all adults. And these adults, it is actually, biblically speaking, an adult expression of faith. And I challenge you, I don't care if you've been baptized as a baby, if you've come as an adult and made a profession in Christ and you want to know God in your life and you're following Christ, you need to be baptized. That's what I believe the Bible teaches. Okay? So um, that's what they did. They would just have these adults say this creed before they converted and, you know, and were baptized. Then eventually it became part of the uh, worship services. And there's a lot of churches to this day, mainline churches that still incorporate the creed. Our church is very uh, unique in many ways, (laughs) starting with me. (laughs) But uh, uh, in that we are an evangelical, basically Protestant church. In our case, we're non-denomination. We're not connected to any particular denomination, but there are a lot of denominational churches that are like ours and and whatever. We're very different in that we take many of the traditional elements that you find in some of the older churches and make it part of our service. For example, saying the Lord's Prayer together, reciting the Apostles' Creed. We end the service by singing the doxology, a very old hymn. Uh, We take communion every Sunday together. Usually these things are only found in uh, traditional mainline churches and you almost never see them in uh, churches like ours. The reason we bring them in is I think these are good things. The main reason I'm convinced that why evangelicals don't do these things is just because the other guys do. And they don't want to be like them. Uh, And there's some fairness in that. I mean, a lot of these churches that people grew up in, some of you grew up in them, were very mechanical in their faith. You had to do the ritual. You, know, you had to be baptized and you had to be confirmed. You had to say this prayer and long song you said, the right words, that you were okay. Well, you're not okay, okay? Jesus said you need to be born again. At some point in your life, you need to truly surrender your heart to Christ and, and allow God to come into your life. Just saying a bunch of prayers or going through rituals doesn't do anything for you. Uh, even baptism, even as baptism as an adult. If you don't believe, it doesn't do you any good. You just go in a dry center and come up a wet center. Nothing's changed, okay? Saying these prayers doesn't make you a Christian any more than sleeping in your garage will turn you into a car, okay? You need to have a, an experience with God yourself. And this is where you come to faith and you, and you decide, I'm gonna follow Jesus Christ. Uh, and then you do these things, Okay. So I know there's that robot version of Christianity out there, and some people get worried about that when we do these things, but we're not doing these as robots. Uh, well, I was just at a church in Cleveland, Ohio yesterday, Cleveland, you know it's everything you'd think. And uh, <laughs> the first time I there it's not all that impressive to be honest with you, but it's Cleveland. And uh, we were in Cleveland and I had a great time and with this church and They've said, well, on occasion, we'll do the Lord's Prayer together. But before we do it, we're very careful to stress to everybody, this is not just a robotic thing. You know, you need to really listen to what you're saying. And They're just so paranoid about it. You know, we just don't get all that concerned about it. If you get up and say any of these things like a robot, that's on you, not on me. Okay, if you're not listening to what you're saying, that's your problem. All right? So we're not trying to replace this, nor do we advocate that because you do this, you're automatically anything. It's just part of our worship service. That's why we do these things. And the main reason to do the uh, uh, Apostles' Creed is, quite frankly, just to drill. It's a drill. It's a simple drill that we run through every week to remind ourselves, this is who we are. This is what we believe. And it's great for your children, One of the big knocks on evangelical churches, our uh, track record with passing our faith onto our children right now is abysmal. uh, Recent studies have showed as high as 80% of the kids who come through these kinds of churches, our kinds of churches, by the time they're in their first or second year in college, they don't know anything about the fundamentals of Christianity. They don't even really believe in the virgin birth or a lot of the things that we talk about. We just assume they do because we talk about it once in a while. But it's never been drilled into them. One of the good things, I was raised in a church that was very mechanical and stuff like that. But even when I was a heathen, I still knew the basics because I was drilled, right? You said these things over and over. da 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 And I understood, you know, Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary, you know, raised from the dead, all these things that even a lot of our evangelical kids do not know. And so we make this as part of our service and to drill not only into us, but into their little skulls of mush what we're about. And who we are. These are the basics of Christianity. So let's take a look. It's kind of going over this creed. What are the basics of it? What is it that we're saying? It starts out with a very simple statement. We believe in God. That's our first number one statement. Now, amazingly, just acknowledging the very existence of God to a lot of people is a big step. You know, today, because a lot of people are just not sure about God. and they're, You know, well, I might believe in a higher power. There might be a mass of energy somewhere. It's possible. There could be something greater than myself. Well, very impressive that you've come to that conclusion. Um, Listen, not only is God greater than you, there's a lot of people that are greater than you. So step it back a little bit, all right? There might be something greater than me. Really, this is your stretch of faith? Of course, there's something greater than you out there. We call him God. Um, it's the God that uh, has no beginning and no end. We believe nothing is impossible to him. We believe he created all things, that without him nothing would exist. This is God, this supreme authority to whom we must all answer someday, which is really most people's problem with God. They, it's not that they can't get their head around God, they can't get their heart around the idea of God. They don't want to believe in something that they have to answer to and therefore they are obligated to find out what his requirements are, what is his standards. Because we don't want to live by standards today. People want to make up their own rules. You can't ever tell anybody anything's right or wrong. If you do, you're full of hate and judgmental, you know. No, they're just they don't want to live a chaotic life where there is no morality and everything is okay. And that's not what God thinks. So that's why they have a problem with God. Now, so number one, we believe in God. Number two, the next phrase says, the Father Almighty. Now, two things here. Number one, uh, it's not just a mass of energy goo out there somewhere. That's like this gigantic brain. We call him the Father Almighty. This is a God who loves you, who cares about you, who is engaged. He knows who you are. He knows the struggles you go through. Uh, He knows everything about you. Jesus says, God knows the very number of hairs on your head. In my case, it's been a matter of substantial traction for some time now. A little less on his head. (laughs) But he knows everything about you, okay? He is very connected, like a real father would be. And to you men here that are listening to me right now, you need to make sure that you are being a good father to your children. Someone who really communicates the care, the connection, all the stuff that you're doing for them. uh, And to be a good father because we represent God in this role. It's been my experience that the people who have the hardest time understanding God as a father are the people who had terrible fathers. And that's very sad. We need to make sure that we give a good picture to our children of what a father is. The more you do that, you're doing God's work. Because it's easier for those kids then to grow and understand the concept that God is their father who cares about them and loves them. All right? So that's the first thing. The second thing in this, when we mention the Father, now we're going to get a break in. We believe in God, is the opening statement, and then the creed breaks it down into three. We've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the idea of the Trinity. Three, but yet one. One God, but yet three manifestations, three persons. So how is that possible? That's not, not possible. It can't be possible. Really, we see stuff like this all the time in nature. Just... Take the idea of water. Most of you this morning, I hope, had an encounter with water. And, uh, <laughs> or you're sitting far away from everybody else. But anyway, water, it's that weird liquidy stuff that splashes. It's made up of what we call H2O. That's the scientific name for it. That's all it is. It is pure H2O. That's nothing added. Nothing. It's just H2O. Now, if you take this and you boil that rascal, It will turn into steam. Do you know what steam is made up of? H2O. It's still the exact same thing. It hasn't changed its fundamental makeup at all. It's just now steam. And of course, we here in Wisconsin are very familiar with the third version of this uh, called ice. And now it's hard as a rock and very cold. But ice is still nothing more or less than H-2-O. Three completely different. I mean, the one is liquidy swashy, The next one is floating around in the air. And the other one is as hard as a rock. And all three are just one thing. That's the easiest picture that we have. It's the same with God. And I'm sure there's other versions of that throughout nature. But yes, it's very easy to understand this concept of a triune God. Three being one. So our statement is we believe in God. Start First one, the Father Almighty. First of the Trinity. uh, And then the next statement, who is the creator of heaven and earth. We do not believe that we are here by accident. There was not some cosmic burp that happened somewhere in space millions of years ago and we just all accidentally showed up on this rock. The idea is patently absurd. Just... To look at creation today and of all the varying species and everything else that works so perfectly together, just the mathematical probability of something like that happening is virtually impossible. There is such great complexity on this earth. We believe God created the heavens and the earth. Now, how exactly he did it is up for some debate. Personally, despite my advanced age, I wasn't there. So... I take, now some people say, you know, the first chapter of Genesis is just symbolic. That it wasn't literally six days, it was six eons. And over millions and millions and millions of years, one critter turned into another critter and we eventually got to where we are today. Uh, I don't have a problem with that as long as you say that's what you believe God did. God did it. If you think God did it over millions of years... Fine, I have no problem with that. That would be in the I think category. I think that it happened exactly as it is stated, that in six days God created the heavens and the earth. And say, well, how is that possible? I don't see how that's possible God could create the earth in six days. Well, it's just because you and I have a different version of God. Uh, while some people are shocked that God could do this in six days, I wonder, why did it take him six days? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just totally the way that we look at these things. So I think God is capable of anything. Uh, I would have thought he just went boom, 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 went to lunch. That would have been it, you know, but uh, he took six days. I don't understand it all. Uh, But again, if you think it was millions of years, fine. As long as there's an acknowledgement that you believe God was behind this. And as long as we make the next determination that when it came to mankind, uh, that was different. You see, God did say, according to Genesis, let the earth bring forth all these things. Again, I think it just took a matter of hours. Uh, If you think it took millions of years, then fine. If you think it's symbolic, I can cut you slack on that. But when it came to man, God did not tell the earth to bring it forth. We didn't come out of something else. We are, by the biblical example, completely unique from the rest of creation, that God came down and personally created man and woman. So that's what really separates us from the rest of creation. Again, you want to go with the evolution thing that Then fine My main problem I got two big problems With the theory of evolution Number one is They drop the word theory All right. When I was in school They talked about The theory of evolution Today they don't call it The theory They call it evolution They teach evolution As it's a fact It's not a fact It's not They treat it as a fact It is one of the most Gross uh, Misrepresentations I think it's very bad science To say that it's a fact It's not a fact They don't know why it happened And just the holes that are in the theory are overwhelming, particularly when you get to the fossil record. It's the fossil record that you can see from creatures that are long dead ago, long ago, what was there. That's how we know there were dinosaurs and other things that, you know, became extinct and stuff like that. And we got, you know, all the different little critters today. But what we don't have in the fossil record are transitional life forms. And that's a big problem for them. Remember, they're always talking about trying to find the missing link. You know? Well, there's way more than one missing link. There's gazillions of them. And the problem, I mean, for example, if a frog became a chicken, some point along the way, there had to be a frickin'. All right? Right? I mean, it didn't just be turned into a chicken overnight. There has to be a frickin somewhere. And not only is there a frickin', there has to be a whole bunch of things that were more frog than frickin'. And then later that were more chicken than frickin' and it became a chicken. There has to be, there's, there's nothing there. It's, it's nothing. Now I know they don't say chickens came from frogs. Don't write me about that stuff. But I just, but whatever critter it crawled into the next thing, where is the evidence? There should be tons, tons of evidence. Overwhelming evidence. It's by your own admission that this took millions of years. Do you know how many critters live and die over millions of years? But yet, there's nothing. You can, all you can find is either the frog or the chicken or whatever. Now, they come up with stuff that they think is close. They say, well, this uh, uh, animal is very similar to this animal. Uh, now, now, that could be because maybe the same person created them. I suppose that would make more sense. But they think, well, that must be because they were all evolved from one another. But again, there's no, there are no connections in the fossil record. So I think it's very weak science in the first place. My personal take is if you look at most very hardcore evolutionists, it's not that it's just <laughs> evolution. There are Christians that think that's how God fine. But a lot of these guys, they're hardcore atheists. They don't believe in God. They got a real problem with God. Uh, there was a great documentary that came out not too, too many years ago about this whole thing. And the guy interviewing the top thinkers of evolution today, and he said, well, how do you explain the similarity and how all this, again, the mathematical probabilities that this whole world would be as complex as it is, is virtually impossible, and then one of the leaders of the evolutionary thought today, you know, is, well, you know, we we can see that possibly there was a uh, intelligent design in the evolutionary process, and uh, some of us are starting to think that perhaps aliens, Uh, came down to earth and programmed into the DNA of our plants uh, and that's how all of this is really little green men that's their version of it see they don't have a problem thinking that somebody put it into motion because the evidence of intelligent design is overwhelming. Their problem is, they'll say an alien did it. Anybody, they just have a problem with God. It's God they cannot stand because if there is a God, they must answer to that God and the morality of that God. And they don't want to listen to the morality of anything. They want to make up their own lives and do whatever they want. It is God these people have a problem with. You see it all the time. They don't have a problem believing in miracles and all kinds of stuff. As long as it's not God. You know, you see it in science fiction movies and sci-fi shows and stuff like that. Do you know most of these shows are actually based on scientific thought? They actually talk to some of these people in theory and they put them into their shows. Uh, there's a great documentary. If you ever get a chance to see it, I don't know if it's in Netflix or whatever. It's called How Star Trek Changed the World. And they went and they interviewed the people who created some of the amazing inventions of today. And they say, where did you get this idea? And they said, as kids, they saw it on Star Trek. The guys who invented the MRI. That you could slide somebody in there and they could look into your body and see what's going on without cutting you open at all. They say they got the idea to invent that from watching Dr. McCoy go over people and looking inside of their bodies. That's where they got the idea from. The idea that, you know, you walk up to doors at a grocery store and they (laughs) open automatically and you walk in and it closes behind. You know, the guys who created that, they said they got that idea from watching it on Star Trek. By the way, some of you younger people who, have you ever watched these old things and you watch these guys walk up and doors would open to the elevators and shut, uh, you think there's, you know, a sensor. There were no sensors. There's people behind the set opening and closing the door. There's hilarious outtakes. You know, where you know they walk in the door and it slam or one shuts and the other one shut, and they couldn't do it. They had to do it over and over again until they could get it together. There's two guys back there doing it. Because there was no such thing. When Lathan and I were growing up back when the dinosaurs still were on the earth, if you wanted to go into a place, you actually had to open the door. What a radical concept. <laughs> Nothing open for us. You know, that's the way it worked. The cell phones that so many of you have right now, and you better not be playing games on them. The guys who invented the cell phones, they interview these guys. Where did you get this idea? They said, we got it when we were kids watching Star Trek. When Captain Kirk would flip open his communicator. Beam me up, Scotty. What a concept. You you guys, you young guys, you're all raised up with this stuff. We didn't have that. And when we were growing up, the only way you had a phone was with a cord. Curly! Really? And some of us had the biggest advances, advances in technology were really long cords. Do you guys remember those? Those real long, curly things? You know, you could go from one room into another room. You stretch, pull around. It's for you, Dad! You know. That was like high technology. And of course, you'd spend hours trying to unscramble the stupid curly things so it would never work right. The idea that you could have a phone in a car was absurd because then you'd need a really long cord. (laughs) All that stuff they saw on Star Trek. It's It's an amazing documentary. It's really quite stunning. Because a lot of what they were writing was based on theoretical stuff that scientists had theorized, and then people saw this, and then they went and made them happen. Just read this week. I don't know how many of you saw this article. They are just a year or two away from uh, finishing. They're going to create a beam of light they say will be 100,000 times more powerful than every generator on earth combined. Every nuclear power plant, water power plant, coal plant, all the, every power plant on earth combined, this beam of light will be 100,000 times more powerful than that. You know what they're calling it? They're calling it the Death Star. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars. Are they, they, because a lot of these things are actually based on scientific ideas and stuff like that. And I say all that to say this, that these people who give us a hard time as Christians, it's not that they can't believe what we believe. They just can't believe God does it. Because to them, a machine could do it. You know, they mock us for believing that God could create the earth in six days. But in the first Star Trek movie, they had a machine called the Genesis Effect that could create an entire world in six minutes. Well, they didn't have a problem with that. Well, of course a machine could do that. But God, oh, come on, not God. This goes on and on. You know, well, you know, God couldn't breathe life into something that's already dead. Unless he's got a long bony finger that glows at the tip, you know. (laughs) E.T. photo. And he brings stuff back to life. Well, that makes sense. It's an alien. Of course, an alien can do that. Man, there's a show, oh, it's a movie, that was out recent, I can't remember, it was about some little, Paul, Did you, have you ever seen this movie, Paul, is about this little green alien? You shouldn't see it, it's awful. It is really awful. It is one of the most anti-Christ Christian movies I've ever seen in my life. They blatantly mock Christians, in particular, through the whole thing, it's terrible. Uh, but it's a very funny movie, because this little alien, Paul, is hilarious. But as much as they mock Christianity through the whole thing, Paul can heal people. Paul can do miracles. But well, that's, that's because he's an alien. It's based on science, you say. An alien can do anything. I don't know how many, there's a new show on right now called uh, Revolution. Anybody watch the show? It's on NBC or whatever. Not too many people are watching it. But uh, it's based on, you know, that the air is filled with little itty-bitty tiny computers, little flying computers. It's a nanotechnology And they're called nanites. And the nanites have all gotten together and have become self-aware. And if they're in trouble, they can call out to the nanites and the nanites will answer. And if they're being attacked by the enemies, the nanites will show up and destroy their enemies with fire. Sounds like the Old Testament, doesn't it? If they're sick, The nanites will make them well. If they don't know what to do, the nanites will appear to them in a vision and a dream and give them the right directions to go. If someone gets cut, the nanites will come and heal the cut. It'll heal up. One guy was dead, but yet the nanites came and brought him back to life. And then on last week's episode, it showed them going into a place where they were all clapping their hands and praising the Lord. And they thought, well, this is stupid. God, how can you believe in God? See, as long as it's a machine or a nanite or something, any of that stuff, see, that's the point. But if it's God, they mock it. It's not that these people can't believe in miracles or healings or visions or power coming to deliver you. They can believe any version or that a machine could create an entire planet in six minutes. They believe it all. The fact is they have some of them believe stuff more than most of us believe. Their problem, I'm telling you, is with God. They hate the idea of God. Because if there is a God, then we must answer to that God. We must determine what is the morality of that God. And that's where we run into problems. They don't want anybody telling them what to do. Don't tell me what's right or wrong. If you define anything as right or wrong, you are hateful and judgmental. They want to do whatever they want. Who cares about God? Once we're dead, we're dead, and they don't even worry about it anymore. That's their problem. But I'm telling you, while they might fantasize about nanites and all the other stuff, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, the God who loved us so much. He sent his own son. became flesh. God himself came to take the punishment for our sins so that he could remove the things that separate us from him, so that he could be close and fellowship with us. That's the love of this incredible father, this God whom we serve, this God who can, by the way, actually answer prayers, help you in trouble, heal you when you're sick, and someday we'll raise your dead body from the grave. It's not not that we can't get this into our heads. The... Atheists have no problem believing all kinds of stuff. Their problem is they don't believe in God. We do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. And as we look at this creed over the next few weeks, Lord, help us to focus again on the basics of our faith. And today our focus, obviously, is just very simply that we believe in you, Father, creator of heaven and earth, that all life comes from you. We are here on purpose, with a purpose. We are not accidents. We are not mistakes. We are here for a reason. And, it's, and you are behind those reasons. Help us to love you, to honor you, and serve you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.